Uh, today we want to continue, actually we want to end our series on the Holy Spirit. And a um, couple of things I just, just want to remind you next Sunday, we'll, Carissa will remind you again later, but next Sunday uh, we do have our Fam Fest, uh, which we have every year in the spring and in the fall. And so it happens to be next Sunday. We're going to have a lot of fun with that right after church. And also next Sunday, we're having water baptism. So if anybody wants to get water baptized, I know we got one person wanting to get water baptized. If anybody else wants to get water baptized, please sign up online. You can go to gatewayfamily.cc slash events, and that will let us know that you're wanting to be baptized. We'll have that set up for you. But today we're going to continue our series on the Holy Spirit. And so we've gone through a lot of different aspects of the Holy Spirit. Um, but today we want to kind of finish up with this idea of the gifts of the Spirit. And so um, this is one topic that for whatever reason, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, everybody is cool with all this stuff that has to do with the Holy Spirit. Everybody's cool with the fruits of the Spirit. We want to quote the fruits of the Spirit all the time. We learn the little songs about the fruits of the Spirit. Um, how many of you ever heard the song, Fruit of the Spirit, it's not a coconut? Anybody know? Okay, just me and, me and Becca and Karen. I knew Karen would know it. Karen knows every kid's song. When I was a kid's pastor, we used to sing this song called, The Fruit of the Spirit's Not a Coconut. And we had all these different moves and things. And it was like, Fruit of the Spirit's Not a Coconut. Yeah, and anyways, um, I did all the stuff. I knew them all. I used to lead worship for kids. I was an amazing uh, kids worship leader. I don't know why John didn't let me lead worship up here. But um, one day, one day, John, if you want that song sung, I'll take care of it for you. Me and Perry, we can do it. Um, so people like the fruits of the Spirit. People like to talk about uh, the Spirit leading and guiding their life. And that's all good. But when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, all of a sudden things get controversial. And we start trying to separate ourselves or, or, or start having factions in the church. As a matter of fact, most denominations, it feels like, from the studies I've done, most denominations end up being created... Not because they're created from nothing, they're created because they split off of another denomination based on the fact of which gifts of the Spirit they believe in or don't believe in. It's amazing how this one, and it's really one chapter out of the Bible, can, can really split so many churches. You would think the Bible itself wouldn't split people up, but for some reason, there's this one aspect of the Holy Spirit that people get sideways about. And so today, we're going to talk about that. I was... I was um, I was telling Perry this. I've got this weird thing that happens to me. Um, I don't get sick very often, but if you have some kind of issue in your life, like that's not necessarily a sickness, I will, for whatever reason, pick it up just like you would pick up the common cold. Like my grandfather had this weird aversion to um, collared shirts that anything touching his throat, and I never knew anything about it, but as soon as I found out that he had a weird aversion to it, all of a sudden it's like I can't wear stuff on my throat. Like it's the weirdest things happen to me. And so I have a friend of mine named Shane, and, um, and I don't know if Shane is going to be watching this later or not, but, but if you are watching, man, I'm talking about you, but that's not abnormal. I talk about you a lot. And so my friend Shane has this weird thing where his throat, like the hole where the food goes down is not very big. And so they told him we could stretch it out, but that's going to be super painful. But Shane chokes all the time on his food. And I used to make fun of Shane all the time for choking on his food. But guess who ended up developing uh, choking on their food? Me. Me. And so my family laughs at me because all of a sudden we'll be eating dinner. And as we're eating dinner, I start going, <coughs> you know, I start drinking water and I start dying. And I think I told you the story. Some of you guys, I told the story that, that one day I was supposed to be fasting. But, but Sarah Wilson, a lady in the church, had brought us some food. And I don't know if you know Sarah Wilson or not, but she, cook, she is one of the best cooks 
um, that I've ever seen. And she brought us some food, and I ate the food, even though I was supposed to be fasting. And I choked on the food. I choked so hard, I thought I was dying. I literally had to run to the bathroom and run my finger down my throat and throw up all the food that I had choked on and just wasted all that good Sarah Wilson food. So, um, so I've developed this thing where I start choking on things really easy. So I have to really chew it, chew it, chew it, chew it so that I can swallow it. And some of you are like, what does that have to do with the Holy Spirit? All right? Well, here's what it has to do with it. I think what we do sometimes is we see something in the Bible that we don't really understand and we don't really try to chew it, chew it, chew it until we can swallow it. So we choke on it and then we never go back to it. We find things in the Bible that we don't like and instead of studying those things, instead of researching those things, instead of asking God to teach us those things, we avoid those things because we choke on them. So today my goal is to help you not to choke on anything having to do with the Holy Spirit. Okay, can we do that? So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to just hang out in the whole chapter today. That's all we're going to do. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the very beginning sets us up for the message. It says this, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Some versions say, I don't want you to be ignorant, right? Paul's starting us off right from the beginning, and he's saying, Hey, listen, there's some things about the Holy Spirit I need you to grasp. Because right now, as a church, Corinthian church, you guys have some issues going on. You've got some really bad sin issues happening, and you have some really bad spiritual things happening, and I need to bring some balance to your life. But in order to bring balance, I've got to inform you, I've got to teach you the ways of the Spirit. And so Paul starts right off the bat saying this. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant. And I think that's where we struggle a lot of times when it comes to anything with the Holy Spirit. If there's something about the Holy Spirit that's a little weird or a little off, we become ignorant. Ignorant doesn't mean stupid, right? That used to be the thing we would say as, as kids. My parents might would get mad. Well, not my parents. My parents never got mad at us calling people stupid because my parents called me stupid for like the last 41 years of my life, right? I did. I thought it was my nickname for a long time. He's telling the truth. My dad would be like, he'd walk in the room and say, hey, stupid. And my brother and I'd both be like, what? You know, which one? And so, um, and so it's not that. But, but we used to, so if someone ever said, uh, instead of calling someone stupid, you just call them ignorant. And then they'd get mad at you. Like, no, 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 ignorant just means you don't know. It just means you don't know, right? And that was our excuse. Ignorant just means you're uninformed. You don't know what's happening. And so whenever we're ignorant, we don't understand what's going on. So today I want us to kind of not be ignorant. So the first thing I want to get out of the way before we dive into the scripture is I want to get into this topic that's the very controversial topic is, are the gifts of the Spirit for today or did they die with the apostles? Have you ever heard this argument? Has anybody ever heard this argument one way or the other? Anybody? Anybody? Raise your hands. Let's go ahead. Yes, yes, yes. Five people are excited about telling the truth today. The rest of you are like, I ain't raising my hand. I'm not ignorant, right? Um, I'm not Gabriel. Um, so, so today we're going to talk about that real quickly because if, if you're coming into this message today thinking this, this, the gifts of the Spirit are not for today, if you're bound and determined they're not for today, then the rest of the message may not make sense. Or if you come into the message today saying um, the gifts of the Spirit are definitely for today and, and you know, you've got to have the gifts in order to be saved, then you're going to miss some stuff happening. So let's kind of understand what the gifts are all about. The first thing that, that on this argument, some people will say, um, John MacArthur is a big, and, and listen, if I throw out someone's name, it doesn't mean that I disagree with everything that they say. All right? I disagree with some of the stuff I said five years ago. 
right? My, my parents disagree with something I said five minutes ago. Like, they're already disagreeing with me. So it doesn't mean that I disagree with everything, but there are certain aspects of people's beliefs that, that I, I feel like we can question according to the Word of God, if the Word of God will help us out. So, so one of the arguments that I hear, and John MacArthur's one that really um, talks about this a lot, is the idea of 1 Corinthians 13, 8. So we're not in there. We're not in 1 Corinthians 13. We're in 12. But in 13, 8, it says that, that when perfection comes, it says that, that tongues and knowledge and prophecies will cease. Like there's a time when, when the gifts, the aspects of the gifts of the Spirit will cease. Okay, but here's the problem with that argument, because what people will say is they'll say, well, they ceased with the apostles. When the apostles died, there were no more gifts after that. Well, that's really hard to believe when Jesus says that the gift is for you, your children and those who are far off. Jesus never said it's just for the apostles. He said it's for the apostles and the next generation. Uh oh. So now we got to back up and say, well, maybe it's for two generations. Well, that really hurts our argument there. So, so to be able to say that things die off, that, that the gifts of the Spirit, that's saying that the Holy Spirit doesn't work anymore. Well, that's not true either. That's not true either. Because, listen, here's another thing. When people teach something like that, they're using the gift of teaching. Guess what? That's a gift. But if the gifts are dead, how are they teaching? Doesn't make any sense. So here's what we do. The next section of the argument is, well, we categorize the gifts. Duh. And there's certain categories of gifts that died off with the apostles. That's a great argument. Just not biblical. The Bible never categorizes the gifts. Paul throws in prophecy with teaching, with healing. He throws them all in a bag and says they're all the same. It's all the Spirit. So we can't say that they died off because they're categories. The other argument is this. It says, um, it, it, people will argue, they'll say, well, the, the, the operation, so really what people don't like, they, they enjoy the idea of pastors and teachers, those being gifts. We're good with pastors and teachers being gifts. We're good with healing, right? And I'm going to be honest with you, people want to pray for healing when they've got cancer, when they've got um, sickness, when they've got COVID. They want to pray for healing, so they're fine with that one. I think a lot of times... A lot of times we're fine with, with anything having to do with knowledge or understanding. Where we get hung up is on anything miraculous. That's where a lot of people struggle. And really, to be honest with you, I think most people get hung up on the idea of tongues. And they just say, well, tongues is weird. And so let's just end all those gifts. And so the, the next part of the argument is this. They say, well, the only thing that God does miraculous is to reveal his, his word. And so, so really there are certain times whenever the miraculous was done, right, in order to reveal God's word. So the miraculous was done with Moses, and it was done with Elijah and Elisha, and it was done with Jesus and the apostles, and that was it. Those are the three times. Yeah, but what about David? He had miraculous stuff happen to him. What about Abraham? He had miraculous stuff happen to him. What about Noah? He had miraculous stuff happen to him. What about, what about guys after the apostles, um, like, like Clement and, uh, and, and Justin the Martyr, who had miracles happen in their life too? See, it kind of ends our argument there. It's kind of tough to argue that. And here's the other thing. Jesus even said we don't use miracles as just proof of, of God's word. People would always come up to Jesus and say, we want a sign, we want a sign. And Jesus called them a, 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 a cursed generation because all you look for is signs. It's not about the signs and the wonders. It's about the word of God. Miracles just become a supplement to what God's already saying. 
And so let's not go into this today fully understanding that, that, that the gifts of the Spirit are dead. The gifts of the Spirit aren't dead because the Holy Spirit's not dead. If you don't understand something or you don't like something or you think something's weird, I'm totally cool with that. But don't come in totally blocking what the Word of God says because those arguments about the gifts being dead are not biblical. There's just not enough Bible to support it. I have more Bible to support not drinking alcohol. I have more Bible to support gluttony. I have more Bible to support not um, gossiping. And yet those are three things that we do in the church all the time with no problem. Yikes. Y'all got real quiet on that one. All the comments on Facebook probably just got really mad right there. I'm not saying that those things, I'm not, I'm not trying to put anybody down if you eat too much or drink or, or if you gossip. I'm not trying to put you down. I'm just saying when you take one scripture and try to build a whole doctrine on it, you're going to struggle because the Bible's got multiple scriptures that can I, can, I can take scripture and do whatever I want with it, right? So you got to be careful with that. So let's get into what this is. So here's the thing. The Bible says gifts of the Spirit. Now, whenever, and, and I'm going to get off of that. So, so we're going to come into this with the understanding that the gifts are for today. Whether you like them or not, whether they're weird or not, let's just, let's just have an understanding that they're possible, right? Let's just go in with they're possible. So in 1 Corinthians 12, 1, he says this. Um, we already said it about the gifts of the Spirit. Let me, let me pause right there and just, again, help us with the idea of the gifts of the Spirit. The, the literal translation that Paul uses there, that Paul says there, is not gifts. He actually, in that first verse, doesn't really even use the word gifts. It was added by the translators to help us understand as he continues to move down. But the actual word he uses is just the word spirituals. He says, and now about the spirituals, I don't want you to be misinformed. Now, the reason I'm throwing that out there is because I'm about to explain what the gifts are. And you need to understand today that it's not, we think of gifts. And we think of when my wife gives me this gift. Now, this gift is mine and mine alone. And this is the only gift I have. And so we start putting limits on what God can do in us and through us when we think of just the word gifts. But if you think of the word spirituals, now all of a sudden it's just an act of the Spirit in my life. This is what He does in me and through me. And now it doesn't really matter. I don't get super possessive over my gift. And it also opens me up to do more in the kingdom of God because I'm not saying, well, that's not my gift, right? How many times have people used that excuse in church to not do something? I'm just not gifted in that area, brother, you know. Yeah, but you might be. We don't know. And so we, we, we want to get away from the idea of just gifts as a word because sometimes we don't understand the meaning of that. So, so let's talk about what the gifts are. Number one, the gifts are actions or functions of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 6. So we're skipping down a little bit. 12, 6 says this. There are different kinds of workings... But in all of them and in everyone, it is the same, work, uh, same God at work. Now, each one is the manifestation of the Spirit. Uh, each one of the manifestations of the Spirit is given for the common good. So something I want you to notice, first of all, is these are actions or functions of the Spirit. They're actions or functions of God. Th- these are things that are not you, it's Him. So sometimes when we think of gifts, I've got the gift of healing, then we think, I am a healer. I, I got the gift of prophecy. I am a prophet. Right? You, you see what I'm saying here? We start possessing it, and it's not about God anymore. So why is it that, that gifts are so misunderstood? It's because we got a bunch of people on TV, and we got a bunch of preachers in pulpits all over the place taking the gift and claiming it as their possession, and now it becomes their identity. And really, the Bible says it's God, 
not them. It's not about me. It's never about me. It's always about God. It's always about the Spirit. And it says the actions, uh, the, the workings, and the manifestation. Here's what those words mean. I like the word workings because it's got such an odd meaning. The word workings in the Greek means operations. Um, it means God's power in us and through us. But it also means energizings. That is, it's not even a real word. Energizings, right? It's, a, it's this ability that God has to energize you to do something, right? Have you ever not felt like doing something and then all of a sudden you get this second wind to do something? It's that energizing feeling that God has. So what are the gifts? They're also called the workings or the energizings of the Spirit. They're also called manifestations, the word manifestation sometimes gets a bad rap because we think of manifestation, um, people start talking about it, you know, oh, there's a demon manifesting in that kid, right? Like we think about it in that, in that sense. But, but here's what it means. The word manifestation just means to come to light. It means to come to light. It means, in other words, the Spirit of God is always present. He's just not always apparent. He's not always apparent. Last night we are at the house and... and um, we're, we're trying to teach our, our animals um, not to go into our bedrooms. Like, that's our goal, keep the dogs out of the bedrooms. That's not what we want them to do. And, um, and our dogs love to get in our bedrooms, especially in my kids' bedrooms, especially G2's bedroom. He's a teenage boy. His bedroom smells like a dead animal anyway. And so you know how dogs are to dead animals. And so, um, so oftentimes we'll go in his room and, and, and our dog, our first dog, Bo, he, he'll be under the bed hiding, you know, or he'll be in the bed sleeping. And, and so he tries to get in Gabriel's room. And so, so Gabriel and I are sitting at the, at the kitchen table and we're eating. And, and, and as we are, all of a sudden he goes, where's Bo? I said, I don't know. Are the doors open? He said, I don't know. I bet my room is open. So we both jump up and we take off and we're looking in his bedroom. We can't find him. And we look downstairs and we can't find him. We go, my bedroom's closed. He's not there. We're looking around there and we're calling out, Bo, Bo. And Bo's not answering. I'm like, where did that dog go? And we look and he was under the table at our feet the whole time. He was present. He just wasn't a parent. Now you wash that dog which my kids washed the dogs yesterday. And as soon as they opened the door, the dogs came in like they were on fire and they roll around on the ground and they jump on all the couches and they run around the room and they jump up on you. And it's something about washing a dog makes them crazy. He was a parent in that moment. He had manifested himself in the house in that moment. We all knew he was there, right? There are moments in your life when the Holy Spirit is always going to be present, but you're going to have those moments where he manifests himself and you know he's there. You may not always feel him, but there's going to be those moments that he manifests himself. And you're going to be like, man, I know, I know that was from God. I, I know this is God doing something in my life. We had a family come to church one time. They had been broken and, and burned by other churches. They were pastors and they had lost their church and their denomination had, had kind of kicked them to the curb. And they were hurt and they were broken. And they walked in our church. And I'm not saying that our church is any more special than any other church in the city. But the reason they ended up attending our church is they walked in and the wife said, I feel the Holy Spirit here. They come up from a domination that didn't, didn't believe in the gifts of the Spirit. But they walked in and she said, I feel the Spirit here. What was happening? She felt the manifestation of the Spirit in her life in this moment. So you need to understand something. Whenever he talks about the gifts of the Spirit, he's not just talking about an ability. He's talking about manifestation of the Spirit. He's talking about a working of the Spirit. He's talking about the Spirit doing something, not you doing something, the Spirit doing something. 
The second thing that the, that the gifts of the Spirit are is they are on us and through us. They're not ours, they're on us and through us. The Bible says, now, each one, uh, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given. In, in other words, the Holy Spirit wants to do something special in you and through you. That's his goal, man. His goal is to do something in you and through you. Here's our job is don't resist what the Spirit is doing. I think sometimes the Holy Spirit is constantly wanting to do something through you, but whenever we resist it all the time, right, then what happens? Then he says, ah, I can't use this guy if this guy's not going to let me use him, right? And so it's important to understand that, that it's, it's his work to us. Third thing is it's for the good of others. In that verse 7, um, it continues on, it's for the common Good. In other words, there's a purpose for the gifts of the Spirit, and it's not for me to get on TV. It's not for me to have a big crowd. It's not for me to get more money. The, the purpose of the gifts of the Spirit is for us to build each other up. It, it says uh, later on, it says that uh, in, in the, later on in the chapters, it, it talks about the gifts of the Spirit are here to build the body of Christ. We should be building each other up with these gifts. We should be strengthening each other, not tearing each other down, not hurting each other, not, not getting up and saying mean things and just claiming that's the Holy Spirit. No, 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 that's not God, that's you, right? And not only does it build others up, it's also to help reveal, or like we said earlier, to, to, to help with the revealing of the Word of God to the unbeliever. So when come, someone comes in and doesn't know Christ at all, doesn't know God at all, but you show up at their house and they're sick and you show up and you pray for them and they get healed. All of a sudden their antenna goes up. Hey, something's happening here. Something's real here. I, I, I need to pay attention to what's going on in this person's life. Does that make sense? The fourth thing about the gifts of the spirit is this. They are as he sees fit for the situation. First Corinthians twelve eleven. All of these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. In, in other words, we're going back, we're, we're kind of hitting hard on the idea of I don't possess this gift. In the sense of I prophesied one time, therefore I am a prophet, right? We're not, go, we're not going there. We're saying the Holy Spirit can give to whoever he wants to give for whatever situation he wants to give it. Now, this is something that's common throughout the entire Bible, not just 1 Corinthians 12. We can look back in the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament, and we can see the operation of the Holy Spirit on people's lives. I see it all the time. You can look at King Saul. King Saul wasn't even serving God, and the Bible says that the Holy Spirit came upon him, and he prophesied. He wasn't serving God. It had no, nothing to do with his character, had nothing to do with his godliness, had nothing to do with his righteousness. It had everything to do with the Holy Spirit had a job to do, and he needed Saul to prophesy at that point. So you've got to understand that the Holy Spirit can see fit. It did not make Saul a prophet. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that the people begin to question in, in 1 Samuel, they begin to, or 2 Samuel, they begin to question, is Saul one of the prophets now? Like, they begin to question, is he actually one of the prophets? Because they didn't understand this dude's prophesying, but he wasn't a prophet. It was just what the Holy Spirit saw fit for that moment. And let me tell you something. There are things that God wants to do in you and through you at certain moments in your life. It doesn't mean it's going to happen forever in your life. It just means that God wants to use you at that moment. We need to be willing to allow God to use us however he wants to use us in the moment he wants to use us. And I think when we get this twisted view of the gifts of the Spirit as something scary or something off, then we begin to shy away from what God wants to do, and it doesn't have to be scary. 
The next thing is what are the gifts of the Spirit? 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 11 kind of goes through a semi-list. Semi-list. He's not really talking about a list here, but he kind of goes through a semi-list. Here's what he says. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of those tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one as He determines. I want you to notice, first and foremost, the list there is not really a list. Paul's saying, hey, man, we got one God, we got one spirit, we got one Christ. He's doing a work in all of you. And for some of you guys, it might be wisdom. For some of you guys, it might be knowledge. For some of you, it might be healing. He's just saying he's kind of throwing out some stuff. There's other places where Paul talks about there's uh, different uh, gifts of the spirit having to do with teaching and, and administration and apostles and, and pastoring. Like There's other gifts of the spirit that he doesn't list here, but he's just kind of throwing out the idea of get it out of your head that you own something. God can do whatever he wants to do through you and in you if you allow him to do it. And he's saying there's a variety of things that God wants to do. There's not just one thing that God wants to do. There's a variety of things. Some denominations or some churches have honed in on one, on one specific gift, and they said, this is the major gift, and if you've got this gift, then all of a sudden you're filled with the Spirit, or you have, you know, you're saved, or you're whatever. Paul throws them all into a bag and says, there's not one better than another one here. Like, there's a lot of different ones, and everybody's going to get something. God's going to use everybody in a different way. So what do these terms mean? Very quickly, I wanted to give you at least these terms so you kind of understand and take some of the stigma away from it. The, the, term, wisdom there are, are, um, the term wisdom there means to speak the wisdom of God, especially in an important situation. In other words, to be able to say something beyond your education, uh, beyond your experience, to be able to say, I know what to do in this situation. And someone might look at you and be like, how in the world did you know to do that? So, I don't know. The Holy Spirit... Now, whenever we just start labeling everything as the gift of the Spirit, now all of a sudden we look kooky, right? I've got the gift of wisdom, brother. No, 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 no. You don't have the gift of wisdom. The Holy Spirit has a working, an action, right? A manifestation of wisdom in you and through you. So you had wisdom in that situation. How many of y'all could use more wisdom at your job, right? How many of you could use wisdom raising your kids, right? That's a big one. Now, you think about it. How many times, how many times have you had a problem with your kid or you've had a problem with your job and what have you done? You've, you've done all the research, you read all the books, all the doctors, all the places. You, you've been to the teacher, you've been to the whatever, right? You've got a problem with your work, you, you do all the research, you do all the studying, you watch every YouTube video on how to do something, right? And then all of a sudden, you get this idea and you try that idea and that idea works. What was that? It was... It was the wisdom of the Holy Spirit operating in your life. I had a kid one time I was working with at a school, and the kid was screaming and crying, and, and we couldn't figure out what was wrong with him, and he had, he had autism, and, and something had set him off, and he didn't know what to do, and, and literally he was sitting on the floor, like banging a bookshelf, screaming to the top of his lungs. And the teacher looked at me and she said, Mr. Wright, we just got to, like, we got to get him out of here. Like, he can't keep doing this. And so, so I, I picked this kid up and I, I literally carried him all the way um, to another room. And I'm, I'm walking with this kid, like holding this kid. And he's mad at me. He didn't want to be held. And, and he's trying to kick me and bite me and all this kind of stuff. And he's screaming. And, and the whole time I'm thinking, God, I need your help here. Like, like I wasn't trained 
to work with kids like this. I didn't go to school to work with kids like this. I don't know anything about autism except for what my wife has told me, the few things, because she's worked with kids like that. And I said, I don't know what to do here, but I need you to give me some wisdom. And I walked into a room, and I didn't know where else to put him, but I walked into an empty room, and I just set the kid down. And, and instead of trying to talk to him or deal with him, I just let him scream. And I went, and I sat in a chair, and I turned my back to the kid, and I just began to pray. And I just began to pray and I began to pray and I just believed that God was going to give me some wisdom and God was going to help in that situation. And all of a sudden the kid stopped screaming. And as soon as he stopped screaming, he said, "Uh, I I did write incomplete sentences. And immediately everything clicked in my brain. I knew exactly what had happened, why he was upset. And and if you guys ever deal with kids that are autistic, my nephew's autistic. So we kind of have a little understanding of that. It doesn't take much to set a kid off. And this kid had one little thing about writing incomplete sentences. And I was able to deal with the kid and help the kid. And I walked out of the room. The kid was fine. He was good. He was able to go back to the classroom. He was able to go home. Everything was good. And I remember someone looking at me and they said, how in the world did you know what to do? And I said, God. Like, I have no answers. It was God, right? That's wisdom operating in my life. Here's another one, knowledge. Knowledge just means to speak information that you couldn't have known outside the Spirit revealing it to you. Think about what Jesus at the woman at the well. What did Jesus say? He said, not only have you, are you not married, but you've been married five times, and the man you're with is not your husband, right? He knew something about this woman that he didn't previously know that no one had told him that was the, that was the Spirit of God moving through him, on him and through him, to be able to say something. It's one of those things of, um, I, I know what you did, right? Like, that sounds terrible. But I know what you did. I know what's happening in your life. How did you know that? I don't know. Except the Holy Spirit told me and revealed it to me. The gift of faith. Faith is just the unique ability to trust even in the worst circumstances. I feel like um, the story I've, I've told a lot, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a popular story here at our church because we use it a lot, but, but the story of my parents not having any food, being dirt poor, and all they had in their house was a jar of jalapenos. And my mom goes up to the jar of jalapenos, and my brother was a baby. And at the moment, she said, she said, God, I don't know what to do for my baby. I've got no food for my baby, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you that you're going to help me to either provide food for me or you're going to help me learn how to cook these jalapenos in a way that my baby can eat them. And at that moment, someone knocked at the door, and it was another college student because they were in college at the time. And the college student walked in with bags and bags and bags of groceries and filled up their kitchen with specific items that, the, that my brother needed. You know how it is with babies. They all have specific things that they eat. They're very hard to deal with, right? And, and they had all that specific stuff for my brother. What happened? In that moment, she was given the gift of faith. In that moment, the Holy Spirit moved on her and through her with faith. Not wisdom. She didn't have wisdom yet. Not knowledge. She, didn't have, she was asking for knowledge, but she didn't have knowledge yet. It was strictly faith that in the worst circumstance I can face... I know God's going to come through. I know God's going to provide. The, the, the guy Carissa was talking about with no, with, with no leg, and he said, I know you're going to come back. What was that operating him? That was faith. That was faith beyond what he can even muster up. That was faith beyond what any of us can muster up. In the worst circumstance available, God shows up and will provide something in you and through you called faith. Another one is healings. I shouldn't have to explain this one, but it's being healed. That one's pretty self-evident, right? But here's the cool thing about healings is sometimes people are like, well, well, you know, I've got the gift of healing. So everything I touch gets healed. That's not true. First of all, first of all, it's not true. But 
One of the things I notice in the Bible is there are moments when God moves on you for healing people. There are moments when he does not, and I don't know the difference. I don't know why, and I don't question it. I just know God's got a plan. But if you look in the Bible, think about this for, for just a minute. Um, Peter and John, the Bible says Peter and John, you know, go to the temple and there's a beggar. And they say, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give, I, you know, give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. The guy gets up, he jumps around, he goes to church, he's happy, they do a little dance, right? Remember that story? But later on, there's another story about John's brother James that got killed. He was beaten to death, right? He gets killed and nobody raised him from the dead. Nobody healed him. He stayed dead. I don't know the difference, man. I don't understand why. I just know that the Spirit of God moves in different ways on us at the moment that he needs us to do something. Paul, the Bible says that it was preaching so long. Some of you think I'm, I'm a lot like Paul, right? And he was preaching so long that a kid fell asleep and fell out of a window and died on the ground. And Paul went out and raised that kid from the dead. But then later on in the Bible, Paul tells Timothy, drink a little wine for your stomach's sake. In other words, use this wine as medicine because you're sick. Why didn't Paul just heal Timothy? He raised one guy from the dead but didn't heal another guy. doesn't make any sense. But the Spirit of God moves on us at his will in the circumstances, however he wants to do it. The other one is um, miracles. These are just acts of power. It's just when God overrides the laws of nature for his purpose. I don't know if this is a miracle or not, but I thought it was. One time we had a church van that was old and broken down. Any of you ever been in church for like longer than 10 minutes? You know the old church van that's broken down. We got one out there um, that's getting that way. And so this guy, um, our, our church van, we went down this big hill. We went into this valley. We weren't even on roads. We were off-roading it in the church van, right? And the church van absolutely dies. There's no way to get this church van back out of there because we're off-roading on the church van. And so our pastor at the time, our, our children's pastor at the time, he's, he doesn't know what to do and he tries everything to get the church van to work. He can't get the church van to work, so he just lays hands on the church van. He says, boys, we're going to pray for the church van and we're going to believe that it's going to start working. And we were like, yes, sir, you know, so we're all laying hands on the church van and, and, um, and he prays for it and he goes back in. He says, it's going to work. And he cranks that bad boy up and drives us out of there, gets us home, and then the thing died altogether. It's a miracle. I don't know how to explain it. It's crazy. And some of you may say, yeah, but there was probably a wire loose, and when he put his hands on the van, the wire reconnected. So that's more of a miracle than believing God healed it, right? So, um, so sometimes you get, don't get crazy with me. Prophecy just means, i, I got to hurry. Prophecy just means telling God's message in a situation according to his word and his will. Sometimes it even... Uh, sees the future, but it's not the same as preaching. So in other words, whenever someone prophesies, it just, it's one of those moments where, um, where you're speaking the word of God in that moment for that moment. It doesn't make you a prophet, right? I don't need you to walk around with a shirt saying, you know, prophet Will Parker. I don't need you to do that. But if you do, if God gives you a prophetic word, that's a good thing. That's a good thing, right? I used to always, I don't know if, again, if you've ever been in church, especially if you grew up charismatic or Pentecostal, we were always scared of people coming to church that prophesied, right? Because we just knew they were going to call us out and be like, you cheated on your test yesterday. <laughs> so, um, but that's, that's, you know, that's craziness. Um, then the next one is this. this. This is a good one. Every parent in the room is going to want this gift to operate in their life. And in a minute, I'm going to talk about how Paul says you should seek after the gifts. Every parent in the room, this is one you need to seek after. You need to underline this one in your Bible. It's called the distinguishing or the discernment of spirits. Sometimes your kid is of the devil and sometimes he ain't. No. Distinguishing and discernment of spirits. To be able to tell the truth. 
to, to tell the difference between truth and false doctrine, to be able to determine what is of God and what is not of God. Have you ever turned on a TV show and you just felt this catch? And you're just like, ah, that's not of God. I don't need to watch this, right? That's conviction of the Spirit. It can also be discerning of spirits. Have you ever listened to a preacher, though? Some of you may be saying this right now. I hope not. You listen to a preacher and you're like, I don't think that's of God. Like, I think that's wrong. It might be that you're distinguishing between two different spirits. Now, in the Bible, here's how we see it manifest in, in multiple places. But, like, there was one time when this girl is following um, I think she's following Paul, and, and as she's following Paul, she just begins to call out, this man is of God, listen to him, this man's teaching the word of God, and Paul turns around, he's like, be, be quiet, and demon come out of her, and turns out she was demon possessed, and all she was doing, even though she was saying the right things, she was becoming a distraction of what God was trying to do, but Paul was able to distinguish between the truth and the lie, does that make sense? He looked at those spirits. Some of you guys, especially dads, you're going to need this. You're going to need this when your daughter starts dating. I'm already praying for it right now. I need to determine what spirit is this boy of because he's about to be the spirit of lead if he keeps talking. Um, the last two are the most controversial tongues and interpretation of tongues. Um, let me just take some of the stigma. Dad already preached a couple of weeks ago about this. Let me, let me take some of the weirdness out of the idea of tongues. First of all, um, this goes against everything in my background. Let me just say that. What I'm about to say goes against everything in my background. In, in my background growing up in church, and we all grew up differently, in my background growing up in church, tongues was a sign that you had the Holy Spirit. It was the evidence that you had the Holy Spirit. I don't believe that. Another thing in, in my background is we begin to talk about different ways tongues was used and that everybody should speak in tongues. I just don't have that biblically, so I can't say that. Paul literally says in the word, some of you will speak in tongues and some of you won't. We have to be okay with that. If you grew up Pentecostal charismatic, you've got to be okay with that. If you grew up Baptist or Methodist or you grew up um, in another denomination that doesn't believe in tongues, then you need to be okay with the idea that some people do and some people don't. Don't fault the people that do, right? We've got to be okay with what the Bible says, not what our denomination says. Denominations can mess it up because that's men, but the Bible doesn't mess it up. And so I've got to come to terms with the fact that Paul says that not everybody's going to speak in tongues. That's what he says. Here's the other thing that Paul says about tongues. Paul says that tongues is a personal language between me and God. Every other gift Paul talks about is about building up the body of Christ. The only one he talks about that builds up self is tongues. He says, when you pray in tongues, you are edifying yourself because you are talking to God. But nobody else gets edified around you unless one of those people is able to interpret. He said, that's the only way. So in other words, why don't we, Pastor, uh, you know, I grew up in a church where people just stood up all the time and they spoke in tongues in the middle of church and, and then, you know, then someone had to interpret it. Why don't we do that at, at Gateway Family Church? I'll tell you, the, the thing is, first of all, Paul seems to push tongues to a personal setting. That's just what he does. Now, if you've got a problem with that, you've got to argue with Paul, not me. And the fact is, Jesus didn't talk about tongues, so we have to lean on what Paul says. But Paul pushes it into the idea of a personal setting. Yeah, but what about the people in the upper room? When they were praying, what does the Bible says they were doing? It says they were praising God. They were communicating to God in different languages, and other people understood them. But it doesn't say that they were speaking to them. 
If someone speaks in tongues, they're not speaking to you, they're speaking to God. Now, is what they're speaking, could it be beneficial for you? Absolutely. Absolutely. But, but, that's only if it's interpreted. Paul says, Paul says there's confusion in the church. If someone were to walk in and they're an unbeliever and all they hear is a bunch of people speaking in tongues, he said they're going to be confused. So Paul seems to put it on a personal level, not a public level. So Paul seems to lean on the other gifts as public. And so we just need to understand that. The cool thing about the idea of tongues, and I, I did some study on this. I'm not making this up. I just really like the way this is worded, is that it's a, the, the way, I, the way what I studied, what I read was, it's a personal language of prayer and worship, because Paul says we, we pray in the Spirit and we sing in the Spirit. He says, from me to God, bypassing my will and emotions. Have you ever tried to pray before, but you can't get out of your own way? Have you ever tried to pray before, but all you can think about is what you want, what you need, how you feel in that moment? And the idea of tongues is the idea that it bypasses all of that. It's just, it's just my spirit communicating with God's spirit. But again, if you say, Gabriel, that is so weird and you are a kook. I get it, man. I get it. I know it sounds weird. It's just the Bible. I can't help it. Like, I can't help what the Bible says. I can't help what Paul says. I can't help what Peter experienced. Like, I, I can't do anything about that. I can't change the word of God. If you don't experience it, that's fine. There are people that go through life that never get healed and they never see a healing. But you know what? I've had moments in my life where I've prayed for someone and they got healed. It may not have been a big thing. It may not have been like cancer got removed. But I remember the first time someone came down for prayer and they said, man, I, I think I've got strep throat. I, my throat hurts really bad. Will you pray for me? And I was like, yeah, I'll pray for you. I prayed for them. And immediately they said, I feel better. I was like, that is wild. Like I just raised the dead. You know what I mean? And it, it, it was just someone got healed of a sore throat. But to me, it was a big deal, right? It, it is a big deal. Thank you, Mom. Thanks for helping me preach today. It's always good when your mom's in the crowd, and no matter what you say, she's like, you're good, baby. Keep going. Here's the other thing, and we've got to get done here. Um, there's a long passage here, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 12, 12 through 26. Um, but the idea here is that all gifts, talents, and abilities are necessary. I just want you to know that right off the bat. Um, let, me just, let me see if I can skim over this for just a second. Verse 12, just as a body... Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized in one spirit as, um, as to form one body, where the Jew or Gentile slave are free, and we're all given the same, uh, the same one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. In, in other words, he goes on to say, and I've got to hurry here, but he goes on to say, listen, the eye can't say to the foot, I'm more important than you. Right? The eye can't say to the foot, I'm more important than you. I get to see everything, and, I'm, and you're on the ground. All that foot has to do is stop working, and then that eye is hitting the ground, right? Like, like you got to understand, every body part is vital. Every body part is vital. We were talking earlier before church, and we were praying, and one of the things we said was, um, we talked about how there are three little bitty minuscule bones in the ear that allow you to hear. You take one of those bones out, and you're deaf. Think about that for a second. You may look at your place in the body. You may say, oh, man, you know, whatever God has gifted me to do is so insignificant and it's so small. I, I want to remind you, the gifts listed in 1 Corinthians 12, remember, he's not giving you an exhaustive list. I believe there are other gifts. The Bible also talks about the gift of help, right? The gift of helps. I don't, like, that seems very insignificant. Just somebody, I'm gifted to help you, you know, until you need help. And then you need somebody with that gift, Right? And so there's these gifts that sometimes people think, oh, I'm just insignificant, I'm nothing. 
And Paul says there's no insignificant gift or person in the body of Christ. All parts are necessary. I love the story of Stephen in in Acts chapter 7. But the Bible says that Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit, performed miracles. And you know what his job was in the body of Christ? He served food to widows. He had what seems to me as the most insignificant job in the body of Christ. And yet God used him and God didn't think he was insignificant. So it's important to understand we're all significant. The last one is this. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 through 31. Now you are part of the body of Christ and each of you um, is a part of it. God has placed the church in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. See, he's going through more gifts here. Then miracles, then gifts of healing and helping and guidance and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have the gift of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret? In other words, Paul's saying, does everybody do all this stuff? No, not everybody does all this stuff. But everybody's got some role to play, and you have a role to play within the kingdom of God, and it's significant. And Paul says this, verse 31, now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the, more, the most excellent way. I've got two more quick things I want to say. Number one, eagerly desire the greater gifts. How do I eagerly desire something? How do I eagerly desire something? I eagerly desire something by praying for it, by asking for it, by studying it. Before I throw something away, I learn to study what God might be saying to me. Before I just take something that I don't like and just just throw it out of the way, I want to study and, and learn what is God really saying to me. I begin to pray about it. God, what is it that you're saying? Not what did Gabriel say on Sunday, because Gabriel can be wrong. He's just a man. But God, what are you saying to me about this passage of Scripture? What are you saying to me about what you want to do in my life? And God, I want whatever gift you've got for me, I want whatever it is. Because here's the thing. At the end of the day, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the gift. The Holy Spirit is a gift, and whatever he brings to your house is bonus. So we need to eagerly desire whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do through us. Yeah, but all I'm good at is coming up with a snack on Sunday morning, Kayleen. That's all I... Yeah, but what if God uses you in that moment? What if God uses you? What if he manifests his presence in your life in that moment, standing behind a cafe bar to speak to someone that didn't know Christ or speak to someone that was hurting and broken and you handed them a snack and, and their world changed? I told the worship team, I said, I said, we need to seek, we need to eagerly seek what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us. Because here's the thing. What if Tana's up here singing a song and all she's doing is going, She just memorized her song because John gave her the right chords and words and whatever. And she just memorized her song. She just got up here and sang her song and she did well and she hit all her notes and did all the things. I guess, I don't know. I don't know how music works. But she did all the things she's supposed to do. That's great. That's awesome. You put on a good show. But what if she was really seeking the move of the Spirit of God in her life? What if as she's singing, the Spirit of God began to manifest And people were healed in the crowd without anyone touching them. See, that's the kind of stuff that we need to think about, we need to pray about, we need to seek after. The other thing that, how do I eagerly desire the gift? So I pray for it, I seek it. You know, Jesus said, ask, seek, and knock. And he was talking about the Holy Spirit when he said that. The other thing is, I practice it. I take the opportunities given to me. I remember one time, we were at a church one time, and and, uh, we were in Mobile. And man, let me tell you something. Mobile is where humans go to die. I mean, I went to more funerals in Mobile than I have in my entire life. 
in the four years there, I was at a funeral. Literally, we would go to a funeral. John used to live there too. I mean, how many funerals? We'd go to a funeral a week. We would go to the hospital. Like, I had a hospital day. Every staff member had a hospital day. And let me tell you something. Every hospital day, you may as well just wipe off your calendar because all you were doing was visiting hospitals. In Mobile, there's like seven hospitals. And we would go visit hospitals all the time and pray for people, except for Pastor Jonathan. Jonathan had a card with his name on it, and he would peek his head in the room, and if you were asleep, he'd throw the card in the room and run away. And when that person called and said, no one visited me, John would be like, look on the floor under your bed, there's a card. I was there, I was there, you were asleep, I don't know what happened. But I was talking to someone, I said, I said, man, you know, we're going in and we're, we're praying for people, and sometimes that gets kind of old to me, it's, it feels repetitive that I'm just going room after room after room, praying for somebody to be healed, and, and asking God to touch their life. And, and someone told me one, that, one time, they said, you know what? If you decide not to pray for anyone, no one will ever get healed. But let's say you pray for 100 people and one gets healed. That's more than if you didn't do it at all. It's the idea of just practicing. It's the idea of practicing. It's the idea of whenever you're standing there at a, at a restaurant or you're standing there um, at a gas station and you feel the Spirit of God manifest, right? He becomes apparent in your life, in your mind, in your heart. And you feel like, I need to say something to that person. Are you going to give him that opportunity? Or are you going to resist the Holy Spirit and walk away? See, we never know what's going to happen whenever we give him the opportunity. There's been plenty of times I felt like I should say something to someone and I didn't say it. And then I felt like I should say something again and I didn't say it. And then all of a sudden, that person walked up to me and point blank asked me a question. And I was like, I got to say it now. Like, like literally, he tried to get me to go. He tried to get me to go and I wouldn't go. And then he just brought the person to me. And you just got to be bold and you got to just speak out. You got to do what the Spirit is asking you to do. How many times, I, let me tell you, I'll tell you one more quick story and I'll shut up. I promise I got to get done. I felt so bad the other day. And it may not be appropriate, and, and, um, and Candace is here, and she's one of my bosses at the gym. And so she would tell me later if it's inappropriate or not. But we were at the gym, and I was coaching, and this guy hurt his back. Like, he did something stupid, and he got hurt, and he threw the weights down, and he walked around like this, and he's like, ah! And my immediate thought was, I'm going to just tell you how spiritual I am. My immediate thought was, you probably ought to go pray for your friend. And my next thought was, he's going to think I'm weird. And I didn't do it. That's how spiritual I am. That's how spiritual your pastor is. I felt the Spirit say something. And I didn't obey. Do I feel terrible about it? Absolutely. Absolutely. But I just want you to know that following the Spirit of God isn't always easy. Sometimes it takes a little bit of courage, a little bit of boldness. We think it's just the Spirit of God just overwhelms our body and we're some kind of marionette puppet and we go do whatever He wants us to do. No, 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 no. We have the ability to resist. So eagerly seek the gifts. What does that mean? I pray, I seek, and I practice. I go after it. The last thing is this. Paul says, I'm going to show you the most excellent way. And then he transitions into 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13 is famous. It's called the love chapter. It's all about love. Verses 4 through 6 says, love is patient, love is kind. It doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it's not proud. It doesn't dishonor others. It is not self-seeking, it's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. If I'm going to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, if I'm going to allow the, the Spirit of God to, 
to work through me, the workings of the Spirit to, to happen, I've got to be patient and kind. It can't be about me or making me look good. It can't be about promoting me. It's always you to build others up and never dishonor them. How many times have I seen people on TV or been in services before where people claim to use the gift of the Spirit, claim to use some kind of operation of the Spirit of God, and really it was all about them. It was all about promoting them. That's not love. Now, does the gift still work? I don't know, maybe. Is it right? Absolutely not. So what's the gift? I had this little thought as I was, as I was finishing up my study. And when we think about the gifts, we, I told you from the beginning, it's the spirituals. I don't like using the word gifts because all of a sudden we think that it's Perry giving me this gift and this is my gift. But what if the gift, what if the gift is not for you? What if it's for them? When I was a kid, my mom had this um, basket in the closet. And the basket was full of gifts. Not one of those gifts was for me. Every one of those gifts was for teachers and pastors and different people. And just over time, she would collect these little gifts, these little knickknacks, these little things. And, and she would put them in this basket. And any time it was Teacher Appreciation Week or any time it was Pastor Appreciation Week or whatever the case was, um, any time we had a team party and there was a coach, I would go in that closet and my mom would get out a gift and she would hand it to me. And she would say, that gift is for your teacher. And so I would take the gift from mom, I would carry it, and I would give it to my teacher. This is going to make sense in a second. The Holy Spirit has a gift for you. But is it for you? No, 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 it's not for you. It's for somebody else. But he's giving you the package. And what's inside the package? The outside of the package is word of wisdom. Word of knowledge, word of prophecy, healing. That's the outside of the package. But what's on the inside of the package? The inside of the package is one thing. It's love. It's love. That's it. That's the only thing. It's love inside the package. And whenever, whenever Jamie's having a hard day and Jamie's hurt and she's broken and she doesn't know what to do with her life and, and she's just telling me I'm, I'm, I'm dying over here and I don't know what to do and all of a sudden God gives me this word for her. He, he gives me a, a, a thought for her, some wisdom for her. What's he doing? He's giving me his love for her. He wants to show Jamie love, but the way he does it is he packages it in a little bit of wisdom. And all I do is give it to her. I'm just a conduit. I just pass it off to her. Jamie takes the wisdom. She opens it up and she realizes God loves me so much. He's got a plan for my life. I don't need to give up. I don't need to stop doing what I'm doing because God loves me. How do I know God loves me? Because God gave Gabriel a word of wisdom to give to me. And it was just a package with love inside. There's somebody dying and they're hurting and they're sick and they're... They don't have anybody that cares about them or loves them and they need somebody to pray for them and, and bring some healing into their life. What's happening? God wants to show that person that he loves them even at the gym, right? Even at the gas station, even downtown Birmingham, even, even at the end of church, even before church starts, even during party time, right? Like he's got, or, or hugs and bugs or whatever it was you said earlier. He wants that person to be healed. Why? Because he wants to show them that he loves them. And he gives you a package called healing. But on the inside, 
There's love. What's your job? Just to give it to them. How? I pray for them. I love them. We need to end. Why don't you stand up with me today? So the gift of the Spirit, it's not mine to possess. The gift of the Spirit is mine to give away. Whatever that gift, however that operates in your life, I'm not here to label that for you. But it's not for you. It's for somebody else. What's my job? My job is to look for the person that needs the gift. Look for the person that needs love. Amen? Let's close our eyes this morning. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place to speak to our hearts. I know some of what we said today may be a little controversial to some, God, but I, I ask right now that the truth of your word, not the truth of my message, would, would resound in our hearts and in our lives. I pray that if anything was controversial or anything was um, different than what we were taught as kids, then I just pray right now that your truth would, would be a seed in our hearts. And as we study and we discover, we would find out what you're really saying, not just what Gabriel said. Or who another preacher said, what another preacher said. We ask you today for your gifts. Whatever that means, God, we ask for your gifts. Whatever, whatever you want to do in us and through us, God, today, we want to be submissive like we talked about last week, God, where we're willing to submit our lives, our hearts, our, our actions to you, God. It's not about us looking good. It's about you touching people's lives. It's about you edifying and building and strengthening the body of Christ. It's about, it's about the harvest that's out there that's dying and going to hell unless somebody is willing to practice what we're preaching. And so, God, I just pray for each and every person in this room, God, that not only would we seek after the, the gifts of the Spirit, we would seek after you, that we would seek to know you and to have a relationship with you. As I'm praying right now, just if you're not serving Jesus Christ today, if you're, if you're walked in here today and you're, you're wrapped up in sin, your heart is hard towards Christ, maybe, maybe you have no faith in Him, I want to encourage you, even as I'm praying, that you would, you would repent. And all that means is ask Him to forgive you. Confess the fact that you've, you've sinned. Confess your sins to Him and He will forgive you of your sins. But then turn away from those actions that you know are wrong. Turn towards God. And so, God, today, we just ask that you would help us to turn towards you. God, for those of us like myself that may have missed you, may have missed what you wanted us to do because of our own pride or our own fear, God, help us to repent of that today and help us to, to turn away from that fear or that pride and turn towards what you're asking us to do to submit our wills to you. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to do a work in our hearts today. Continue to speak to us and change us. Don't let us stay the same. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.